Stories bring lessons, laughter, unforgettable experiences, and memories that far outlive the storytellers themselves. Great stories happen to those who can tell them. This is the Jack and Around podcast, hosted by two-time Academy of Country Music Award winner and master storyteller, Jack Ingram. And now to introduce today's guest, here is podcast producer, Matt Fivato. Thank you, Rowdy Yates. Welcome to part two of episode six, featuring legendary singer-songwriter and author Ray Wiley Hubbard. During part two, Ray visits with Jack about the relationships he's formed over the past 10 years, including with Ringo Starr, Joe Walsh, and Eric Church. Ray also talks about his wife, Judy, and his next project, a follow-up to his latest release titled Co-Starring. Before we begin, some quick housekeeping notes. Provided in the description are Jack and Ray's bios, links to connect on social media, to watch this podcast on YouTube, and a link to jackandaroundpodcast.com where you can access YouTube and audio links to the entire podcast catalog. Most importantly, if you enjoy this podcast, can express how important it is to help us spread the word by hitting that like and subscribe button and giving us a big old five-star review. Almost forgot, Jack, Miranda Lambert, and John Randall will be busy getting ready for the May 7th release of the Marfa tape. So we'll be taking a short two-week break. Stay tuned to episode seven to be released the week of May 17th. So here is the last part of the Ray Wiley Hubbard podcast. If you're listening in audio, Jack and Ray are sitting outside enjoying the awesome spring weather in Austin, Texas. Enjoy. I know we touched, I touched on it earlier, but... The amount of people that have come into your life and and, and stayed there, <laughs> yeah, is pretty amazing. It like really Ringo, is. Like, yeah, and uh, you get to hang out with a beetle for God's sake. Yeah, that's a, a whole strange story too. I mean, uh, um, I guess almost ten years ago or something, somebody coming up and said Ringo's talking about you on his website, and so I go to his website. And he says. Here's who I've been listening to. George Martin sent me some mono tapes of the Beatles session that we did there. And, you know, and then he said, Dylan has a new record. I like that. And says, fell in Texas, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Snake Farm. Woo, I like it. And so I went, wow, that's strange because I'd never met him or anything. So Rick Richards and I, you know, my, my, the drummer, we were doing a duo thing, kind of like that Tony Joe, just guitar uh-huh. and drums. And so we we're at playing uh, Santa Monica McCabe's. And this guy comes up, comes up, said, "My name is Brent Carpenter." And he said, "I uh, do the videos for Ringo Starr." And I, I said, "I burned Snake Farm for him and gave it to him." And I said, "You didn't even buy him a copy? <laughs> you burned it?" <laughs> I said, "Guy, you're cheap." Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, that's how he got it." I said, "Oh man," he said, "Ringo's playing the Greek Theater tomorrow how night." Pay, how much would you pay to, re- to hang out with Ringo? Yeah. I was like, all right, this is where the CD. Yeah, it was, you know. And so he said, "Ringo's playing the Greek Theater tomorrow night and wants to come out and wants to meet you." So. Uh, Rick, he gave us a parking deal. We pulled right up there because Brent was filming Ringo Starr live at the Greek Theater, a, a you know video thing. So we go out there and meet Brent. And he takes us back there and he goes, uh, uh, "Ringo, this is Ray Wiley Hubbard here." And he goes, "Oh yes." He goes, "Where's your band?" I said, "Oh, this is Rick Richards. It's just the two of us. He's my drummer." He goes, "You just travel with the drummer?" And I go, "Yeah." And he goes. Ah, so he starts coming to introducing me to all these like movie stars. And he said, it's Ray Wally over from Texas. He's brilliant. He travels with a drummer, doesn't travel with a bass player. And he, you know, doesn't travel with a guitar. He travels with, a, he's brilliant. You know, it was, it was just a thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. So then he says, uh, come out and sing help with my friends uh, for my encore. 
And I, I said, oh, you know, so we go back and we're in the video truck watching the show because Brent's doing it. So anyhow, we're just kind of watching everything for about an hour or so. And all of a sudden, Brent goes, oh, time for you to go. And I go, well, hey, man, thank you so much. We had a great time. He goes, no, it's time for you to go on stage. Right. I went, really? And he said, yeah, he, he wouldn't have meant it if he didn't ask. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, you know, if he first says something, he means it. So I went out there and I'm kind of standing back there with these guys. He starts <laughs> He runs off and he says, you know, and then um, they come back out and I go back out. And I'm thinking on Gary White's, uh, you know, Mike Dreamweaver guy, right? And right. all of a sudden this guy looks at me and I go, Ringo said I could. Ringo said, you know, because we're singing. <laughs> and so after it was over, it was just really, really uh Ringo nice. said it's okay. Yeah, Ringo said it's okay. You know, I'm singing on his mic, you know. And uh, so we just kind of hit it off. You got a minute for another quick little story? Yeah, how, weird this, how weird this gets? So about three months later, I get this phone call, and um, and he goes, and I go, hello, and goes, Ray, this is Joe Walsh. I'm in Boston playing uh, with this with my band up here, these Eagle Boys, and on the song Snake Farm, I know that's a Gretsch Duo Jet you're playing, but what kind of amp and what kind of pedals are you using? And wow. so I go, well, it's an old Bell and Howl amp that this guy Tony Nobles made for me and I got one pedal that's called a sex drive by Alan Durham here in Austin I said that's all I use and he said that's it and I go yeah and he goes okay thank you and so so I'm wow. going with Rick so I, and Rick goes what was that and I said Joe Walsh you know so then about three months later I get this phone call says Ray this is Smokey I'm Joe Walsh's personal assistant Slade's on bodyguard and Marjorie Box says I can't come back to California till I get you and Joe together because he plays that damn snake farm song all the time so the Eagles are playing in Dallas we want you to come up we got your room at the Four Seasons so I go up there and meet Joe and uh, we're getting ready to go in this <laughs> big this restaurant right and so the, this guy goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. He goes to Joe. He said, you can't come in in, in a T-shirt. He goes, oh, okay. So he goes around at the golf shop, goes in, buys a shirt, you know, takes his other T-shirt off, puts it on, and we walk in, you know. And so we have dinner that night. So the next night we go to the concert, you know, and he says, come on, let's go. So we get in this Escalade. And it's the first time in my life, Jack, I've ever had motorcycle policemen in front of the car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just dreams say, do come true. Oh man! So yeah, you know, it was really cool because I get there and the Eagles come out and they do their sound check. They come out and do Seven Bridges Road, just and I'm the only one there except with the sound guy. And uh, so the next day we're leaving. They're getting ready to leave. Joe's getting ready to go. And I said, "Here, man, I got something for you." I said, "Here's the amp I used on Snake Farm." He said, "Oh, you can't give me that." And I said, "Well, I can too because probably gonna catch fire." <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't leave it alone in a room because it's got old cars. So anyhow, now yeah. this is where it gets, uh, it starts getting really strange. About three months later, Judy's opening the mail in the other room. And all of a sudden she goes, God damn it. <laughs> I go, What's the matter? She says, I got to lose 15 pounds by February. And I go, what? She says, we've been invited to Joe Walsh and Marjorie Box wedding. We have this wedding invitation, wow. please, you know. So with that, I didn't have Joe's number at the time, but I had Smokey's number. So I called Smokey and I said, Smokey, I got a wedding invitation. He said, hang on a minute. So he puts Joe on the phone and I go, Joe, I got a wedding invitation from him. He said, yeah. I said, after my divorce, I was staying in Ringo's guest house and Ringo came out and he said, there's this guy in Texas you need to hear. So Ringo's playing Snake Farm for me on his stereo. All of a sudden, Barbara Bach comes in, the first Bond girl, you know, with 
her sister Marjorie Bach. Marjorie starts dancing. We make eye contact. We fall in love. Snake forms our song. We watch at the wedding. <laughs> Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> Siri, what's up, Forrest? Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so uh, we go out there, and it was just, uh, you know, we, they had a big party there at the Edison, and a big, you know, had girls on ropes twirling around, you know, and stuff, and Robert Randolph was playing and the band and so joe comes up and said we're gonna get up and uh do snake farm here in a little bit and i said oh okay and he said i said uh, and he said oh i'll find a bass player and I, you know they're not a drummer you know they're like the foo fighter guy was there and i mean it was yeah so anyway everybody's doing that and i'll send about an hour later joe comes up and says you know what i don't think i want to play tonight i don't i don't really like a lot of these people <laughs> <laughs> so, so i owe you a snake farm we'll play snake farm sometime in the future so you know, so then we went the next day to the reception at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which there's the Polo Lounge, which is the Big Star Lounge. Right. But then there's the lounge behind that. That that's that's the real. Yeah, I mean Irving Azoff was there, Stephen Steele. I mean, you know, it right. was just, and we're just sitting at a table with, you know, Ringo and Barbara there. You know, and they were just really nice, and just and Joe's doing his, and it was just, and that's just. Uh, like I say, man, it's just I'm, I'm I'm pretty amazed and very grateful that it's funny when you said Forrest Gump earlier. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe, yeah. But after talking, it's like, no shit, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, how weird is that? I mean, how weird is it? How what does that feel like when somebody tells you that Ringo Starr was was playing your song for Joe? Yeah, like all that whole. Like talk about floating, yeah, and it's not because <laughs> of your ego. It's because oh, it just—it just can't even. Yeah, the stars you would never even think to align them that way. I know. I'm. I'm like I say. I'm very. I'm very grateful. You know, like I say, I've. I've uh, feel very fortunate and just you know and just uh, have all this stuff happen. You know, I mean, like, you know, because I've always been kind of over here. You know, it's in a and. I guess somehow happened. It was like that Eric Church thing. You want to hear another little story here? Yeah, of course. So anyhow, I'm just, uh, Judy and I are watching Criminal Minds, right? So anyhow, I get this text. And I, I, uh, I want to say it was, it was Ronnie Dunn, but I'm not sure because uh, I'd, I'd met Ronnie before. And we'd, but anyhow, so we get this text. It says, Eric Church just name dropped you at the CMA Awards in a song. So I go, huh? So I go, Judy. Eric Church just is singing about me on another channel here. And she goes, well, we're not changing this channel till Spencer finds the serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got to watch, you know, and so then it's over. But the next day I go to YouTube and there's Eric Church singing this song, Mr. Misunderstood, where he mentions Elvis Costello, Ray Wally Hubbard, and Jeff Twitty. And I go, wow, how weird is that? And, uh, so then a couple of months later, Judy calls me up and said, Eric Church called, he wants you to come to Dallas and sing Screw You Were from Texas at the American Airlines things with him. So, so I said, okay. So we, Judy and I drove up there and we meet Eric and his band at the deal and he comes up and he's just really nice guy. He said, man, thank you so much for doing this. And he said, I just think it'll be really good to have you come out and do Screw You Were from Texas here in Dallas Absolutely. and all this stuff. So, uh, so anyhow, I said, how'd I end up in that song? He said, we were writing the song, and over on our turntable was Elvis Costello, you, and Jeff Twitty, and we said, let's write some truth to it. 
So I thought, well, that's pretty, pretty cool. And, uh, and it was just really nice. So then he calls me up. He said, Hey man, I want to write this song called desperate man with you. So I'm just being a smart ass. Right. So I go, yeah, well, one time I was so desperate. I went to a fortune teller to get my future read. And she said, I didn't have one, you know, just a smart ass. And he says, okay, that'll be the last verse. I and love so, it. And so, uh, so anyhow, I went up there and, uh, and Eric and we flew up to Nashville and paid for it. And, uh, we went out to this little cabin out there and he, we wrote desperate. He said, I got this groove. So we wrote desperate man and everything. And he said, I really like this. I think I'm going to title my album desperate move. I'm going to cut it tomorrow. Desperate man. So then he calls me up, but he said, we're doing a video. And, uh, in the video, it's like a blow or something where it's like, uh, I'm stealing my masters from my record label. And it's going to be like an old dope thing where we drop it out in a swamp and people get it and run it around. And I go, Oh, that's cool. And he said, everybody said, we need a seventies, uh, drug dealer. And everybody said, we'll get Ray Wiley. And so, I went up there and good to know what you what, what people think of you. Yeah, I know. We're the seventies <laughs> drug dealer. I'm the perfect guy. Yeah, and so uh, you know, so I went up there and they I got a three piece denim suit and a gold chain and a big old shirt with collars and did the deal of just you know sniffling the pellets that they make vinyl out of and right and it was just uh, really nice and then uh, so then. Uh, uh, CSAC calls me and they say, Hey, we're having a big CSAC award. We want to give you an award for desperate man. And I said, okay, just send it to me. They go, no, we want you to come up here. And I go, no, man, I hate those things. I, I'm not very good at it. And you know, we just and he said, no, please come up. And I said, ah, nah. and so Judy said, yeah, let's go do it. Right. So he said, do you think you could do desperate man? And I said, I've never done it. I said, you know, and they said, just you and a guitar, and I said, "Yeah, I don't really want to, uh, but, but I will." So anyhow, we go up there, and all of a sudden, they—it's you know Nashville style. I oh, mean, yeah. it's it's a red carpet. I mean, I'm standing in it, and I'm going, "Oh man, it was just a," you know. So anyhow, I get up there and I do "Desperate Man," and I, you know, finish "Desperate Man," and all of a sudden, I, somebody says, "This guy, I love this guy," and I look over, and Eric Church is there giving me my award and I'm just in there and you, and you talk about this audience who had no idea who I was before this <laughs> you know nobody knew me and all of a sudden Eric comes out and everybody he gets their attention yeah. you know and and so he gave me a really gracious introduction and he'd been there they'd been hiding me that he hiding him because I'd walk here and he'd walk behind me and all that stuff and and then of course at the Texas Heritage thing he, he and That's came right. down for that so that was uh it's quite Forrest Gump, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that really is fairly amazing. It is. It, is. Those, it, yeah. it just and it just happens, you know. I'm not, it's not, almost like it, you fall right where the apple you walk right where the apple falls. Well, it's 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 a thing too of trying somehow in there, you know, uh, uh, of trying not to force it, you know. I just kind of instead of for a long time, you know, I was just swimming upstream, you know, just trying to. You know, and then all of a sudden one day I just went all oh, around, just float downstream yeah. with it, and not not fight it or try to control it. And man, you know, I feel very fortunate. It's funny you say that because that's what it feels like. Yeah, I'm just floating. It really, by. listening to your records, being with you, it feels like you you go, oh, mm. I'll just turn around, float float that other way. I'm gonna learn finger pecking pattern. Okay, da 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 da. You know, oh okay, got snake farm. You know. Um, 
Well, the blues, all this stuff. Screw You Were from Texas, another albatross, or is it? Well, I, I don't sing it north of the Red River, you know. It's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's kind of one of those things where it it really sells a lot of T-shirts, <laughs> so I'm okay with it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all this time you're building. You talked to me about being a sincere songwriter, and yeah. then I just and then I just integrity. Wrote, yeah, <laughs> a lot of integrity when I. Yeah, I love that song. Sells a lot of T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just, I was, you know, I said, I need to sell some T-shirts. How about if I screw you over from Texas? Yeah, okay, I need to write a song then. <laughs> wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Bumper sticker songs. <laughs> when do you write? Like when? Do you, have, do you have a set time? Or do you just wait until something hits you? It's it's the thing you know as you now know is is songwriting is like inspiration plus craft. When you get that, aha, that'd be a good idea for a song. And you never know where that's going to come from. You know, yeah. you just never know. I mean, you know, at Snake Farm in New Brunswick, I've driven by it probably ten thousand times from Austin to San Antonio and back. And one day I drove by and I went, "Ooh, God, it just sounds nasty," and I went. It is. It's a reptile, and then snake form. It just sounds nasty. Well, pretty much is. It's a snake, and so I had that, right. and, that and that was like the inspiration. I could have just blown it off, but then I kept singing that, and I said, "Well, what am I going to do with it?" And then the craft, I'll make it a love song. You know, there's a guy who doesn't like snakes, but he loves a woman who works there. What kind of woman would work there? Well, she'd have a tattoo. She'd drink malt liquor. She'd like the alarm. She oh, that's, like my, that's my favorite line in the song. Yeah. <laughs> she, she likes the alarm. It rhymed, too. called the alarm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I met Mike Peters in, uh, in Austin, man, and we said, man, he said, he's all over the world. People come up and say, hey, there's this guy in Texas who wrote, you know. But, uh, but the, you know, the songwriting thing is, is the inspiration and the craft, you know. And a lot of times the craft will trigger the inspiration if you get a, progression or a groove or something like that. And and so it works both ways. Yeah. But, you know, you can't ever second guess it, you know, because if I had just went, I throw it away, I wouldn't have got, when I got this tattoo. Wouldn't have got any of them. <laughs> it's, man, it must be nice. To, it seems like you live with your biggest fan. Oh, Judy? Judy. Well, she, uh, you. yeah, we, uh, we really, um, you know, we just, it, it, I feel very fortunate. She's, she's a hoot, you know, and, uh, we, I guess we've been married 30, <laughs> I should know that, shouldn't I? You should probably <laughs> we'll cut that. Yeah, cut that, yeah, uh, <laughs> cut haze in that. <laughs> no, we've been, we've been married a while. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, don't, she, don't even try to ask for the date. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we yeah. celebrate every day like it's our anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, she's uh, she. It's it's. Uh, I, I mentioned this, and uh, you know that uh, if it wasn't for Judy, I'd probably have everything I want in a shoebox. Be looking for a happy hour gig, you know, because she really came in. She learned about publishing. She learned about booking. I didn't have like I say I was laying at Charlie's Airport Lounge, and we met, and then she said, uh, you know, she started. Uh, figuring this stuff out, you know, with the uh, publishing and mechanicals, and she booked me and um, all that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty amazed. And she still has the 
the zest for it, you know, like it, she's, it's fun to watch her get excited about being in places and who's yeah. there. And it's really yeah. cool. Well, it was, you know, I mean, last night the phone rang and <sighs> it was Ringo, you know, he, and, uh, called him and said, Hey, I put a double tambourine on that song you know, that Steve Luker was playing on. I said, go ahead and put a tambourine on it. And I went, Oh, okay. And Judy listening. So, you know, and, it's 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 fun. It was that I was Ringo, you know. So it was it was uh she yeah like I say she's uh she's a hoot. She's my hoot. I bet she's a lot. She well I tell you <laughs> what she she uh uh she doesn't suffer fools you know that yeah. that thing a lot you know and uh she like the thing with EMI and <clears throat> Mother Blues you know she just <laughs> you know and uh, we'll bleep it you know and uh but yeah and it's so. Um, you know, and like I say, the thing is too, is like, as you know, like I say, you know, the managers and all the agents and all that, so they, and the, they don't really get, I walk out on stage and go, we love you, you know, and they're back there. Well, what do you mean? Okay. The, the count was 80%, right. you know, of, uh, you know, and you're fighting with the, you know, the promoter sometimes about the, oh, yeah. about the, you know, head count. Right. So, you know, and they, so these she doesn't like get the recognition or, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, well, I think that's part of it is what I love about watching her. Yeah. Is it, you're right. Like we get to go out on stage and yeah. oh, hi, look at me. How's that? And they go, yeah, you're the best. <laughs> which is, which is yeah. why it might get a little boring to people that, but she seems to genuinely love music and love. Yeah. She's very knowledgeable being around man. it. Oh yeah, she like I say she she's brilliant. She learned about publishing. I've got all my publishing back. She did some stuff and got that I'd signed away when I was young and you know stupid, which is redundant in a way, <laughs> right. you know, especially in the music business. Right. And uh, she's been very supportive to other artists too, of uh, you know, um, kind of talking to them about publishing and and you know trying to keep that, trying to hold on to that, and leasing your masters rather than. So that you own your masters, right. you know that's really important nowadays. So uh, she studied a lot, and um, and like I say, she's helped other uh, artists too, young young kids here too. <laughs> well, so have you? Oh, uh, I, I mean, you really seem to take other artists under your wing, or at least make an effort to be friends with young artists. I know that for a fact. I've, I've watched you do it. Well, I've, um, you know, it's that old thing, you know, you, you in order to keep it, you got to give it away, you know, in a way, you know, and, and so, you know, I mean, like, you know, damned Hayes came by and I showed him this finger picking pattern. And all of a sudden a week later he says, Hey man, I took that pattern, wrote this song called Beaumont. I went, ah, if I hadn't <laughs> shown it to him, maybe I would have got that song. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. But no, but, uh, Things like that's gratifying in a way, you know. And like a man, you know, like I remember that. Uh, the thing we didn't was a Corsicana with Gary Nunn and you and me. Yeah. yeah, that was a treat. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun, you know. And uh, I, I enjoy doing stuff like that, you know, hanging out with young guys and all that. Well, luckily, I'm I'm at a point in my career where it's, you know, I'm 50 years old. And taking your lead, it is it is great to, to go look at, listen to young younger guys and go, oh, yeah, I see what he's adding to the stew or 
Well, it it's a thing as a you know, someone said isn't seventy four a little old to be making your first ever appearance on Austin City Limits? And I went, Man, didn't want to peak too soon. <laughs> you know? You know? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? I'm finally ready. Yeah, you know. And so, same thing like, the, you know, the Grand Ole Opry. I didn't do that till I was 72 or so. And so, you know, it's, and the thing I think, you know, that music somewhere up in our head, we, we keep a young head, you know. I mean, I got bad knees, but I still got that, that fire or something about songwriting. Oh, okay. Yeah, this works. Yeah. Or playing a gig, you know, and, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, well, it's so obvious too. You live it. You live. You live that excitement. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, kids, kids come back to being grateful for it. You know, I mean, I really. You know, there's there've been disappointments. You know, of course, but I, you know, you can't. Uh, you just can't stay there. Right. You know, you can't stay in that disappointment. You know, and so. Uh, you know, it's like I say, we got the new record and we're, we're almost got it mixed. I got Steve Lukather on it yesterday. I got Winona sing on it, you know, and, and, it, and the thing was, I didn't have to use guilt or shame right. to get these people. Right. I'm, I'm not above using that. I mean, I use that in a heartbeat to get, but, you know, I just say, hey, man, would you uh, sing on this? And they, yeah. And then, they, you know, they, and of course, that's a great thing with you. You can send the files. and Yeah, but it also don't. speaks volumes about the impact that you've had. Well, so many, so many other artists. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 like I say, I feel very fortunate. It's, uh, uh, the whole, I mean, well, like, okay, real quick, bad trick, right? So I wrote that, uh, Judy and I wrote that. Actually, I got to give her credit. I mean, right. I had a real rough gig and I came, you know, there, there was a discrepancy in the head count. The sound was squealing and everything. I came back about three and Judy goes, that was a gig, and I go, man, it's a rough gig. And she goes, well, everybody turns a bad trick every now and then. And so, you know, we, I realized what I was. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what she thought of you. Yeah, what she thought of me. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. And our record label was called Bordello Records. I should have figured that out earlier <laughs> right. on. Of what, we know what I am. We just got to negotiate the price. That's you know? right. And uh, so anyhow, we wrote Bad Trick. And so uh, I did a little demo with the zone, just me and a guitar and uh, a click track. And I sent it to Brent Carpenter, and I said, man, it, you know, and he said, oh, let me take it to, to see what Ringo thinks of it. And I didn't even ask him and everything. He just said, hey, Bray's doing a record, and uh, this is one of the songs on it. And so I got this text, said, hey, be in L.A. next Tuesday at 2 o'clock, and I'll play drums on it. So this was this was about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So I flew out there, and Brent picked me up, went to Ringo's house, and he played drums on the track, and it was just and I said, wow. And he goes, who are you going to get to play bass? And I said, I don't really know. And he said, how about Don Was? And I said, well, I don't know him. He said, I'll ask him. He said, how about who's going to get tarred? I said, I don't know. He said, how about my brother-in-law? You know, you know him. And I said, well, if you ask him, yeah. say, I'll ask. He said, he, he's going to do whatever I say, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm his <laughs> brother-in-law, right. you know. And it's, you know, and so so because of Ringo, I got Joe and uh, and Don Was on the record, you know. I mean, that, And then uh, – I called up Chris and was that kind of the beginning of of that project? Yeah, that was kind of the beginning and uh I think I had the blue bonnets right around before that I'd written a song. And uh so yeah, that kind of was kind of the kickoff then I just kind of started calling other people, you know, and Pam Tillis, I was, was at the Nashville airport, man. 
And I'm walking by and all of a sudden I hear this, Ray Wiley. And I turn around and she goes, it's Pam Tillis. I recognize the back of your head. <laughs> and I said, See, it's always been your best look. Well, you know, it is. You know, it's just, you know, there's advantages to cutting your own hair. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, she said, uh, I'd like to write some songs with you. And I said, okay. So we wrote some songs. And then it just kind of, she said, have you ever done the Grand Ole Opry? I said, no, I never have. And so uh, she said, well, let me talk to those people. Then all of a sudden, the you know, president of the Grand Ole Opry called up and said, we'd like you to come do the show. Wow. So I called Pam. I said, did you have something to do with that? And she said, yeah, maybe so. But they asked you to do the opera. And I said, yeah. And she says, well, you have to open with Snake Farm. And I said, the Grand Ole Opry? And she says, yeah, I think I'd like that. I think that would be fun. So, you know, she came and introduced me and she sang and I got Larkin Poe to play with me and came out and did Snake Farm That's at the Grand Ole Opry and it was, it was yeah did they look at you like yeah it was it was eye opening you know that you know, <laughs> close your mouth at least they didn't close at least they didn't close your eyes yeah it was uh it, it was a it was a, a a thrill you know to and but that's how it just happened just you know like I say just walking through the airport and bam there it was and I got Pam Tillis on my record you know how Forrest Gump yeah man that's it I love it yeah I do too well hey man thanks for coming I really. <laughs> You Appreciate bet. It. I enjoyed it. When, oh, did we start? <laughs> I come out in and see one of those little clacker things. It's like you're on. Take you know? three. Ray oh. Wiley Hubbard, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. What a treat, man. Yeah, enjoy man. it. I really enjoy being your friend. Did, me too. Me too. Likewise. Seriously, man, I've never really taken into account the Forrest Gump aspect of that, of how. Yeah. Just putting it out there. Just, yeah. And letting it come back to you. It is. It's like that rotten song. I said, man, I'm just going to write songs. So even if it's a goofy song like Snake Farm, I want to try to make it well written. You know, and and uh, just 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 writing and just uh, for, for that moment, you know. It's and, funny. Uh, I, I remember hearing Snake Farm and Screw You from Texas and thinking, <laughs> how... Not lucky, but just like what you're saying, those are in the vein of Redneck Mother. Yeah, but you could you couldn't write Redneck Mother now, probably not, because it'd be too you'd be you'd have too much to say. Yeah, it, it you know, would, it'd be yeah, it would be it'd be uh, I probably wouldn't, you know. But to grab that spirit of yeah. what that kind of song is like, yeah, and to be able to put that into the craft of songwriting and have it still feel like yeah. a firecracker going off well the thing with screw you i put the little lines in there about our corporations are corrupt and our politicians are logo so it's kind of not you know it's it's got a little dig in it where it's just you know it's like you know the whole thing is about the music like you know screw that whole not the nashville scene but just like screw you we do what we want to do right and uh even though we're you know our state's kind of fucked up at times <laughs> well that's what i mean though too is like that song, if you played it for Governor Abbott mm -hmm. or Rick Barry at the time, they'd love that song. Not, and they, you know, it's like it wouldn't even. It's so well written that it would just come right. Here's, over there. Okay, here's real quick: is somebody asked me, said, "Here you are. You've written in Conversation with the Devil about record and music executives going to hell and Nashville and all this stuff, and all of a sudden you sign with Big Machine. Don't you think that's hypocritical?" And I went. Oh man, it's ironic. <laughs> 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 I'm just justified. 
know, any hypocritical. You know, for the time being, you know. It's ironic, buddy. It's true, man. (laughs) You know, it's a big deal. You got a good deal here, man. This is great. This is the first time we've done this out here. It's great. It's uh, I love it. It's really nice. It was just uh, so that's it, huh? We done. That's well, the guy who was uh, who's doing some work in there has a daughter who has a horse, and he wants to maybe. He said he wanted to rent, whatever, and I was like, "That's worth the price of admission, man. I get to come out and talk to a horse." Yeah, man. <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> I'm in on that. Uh, right. Like, I, need, I need some friends out here. Horse stall and everything, man. They had two little Shetland ponies out here. Yeah. It's nice. Mm-hmm.